ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hi, I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Keeper. Welcome to another episode of 1% Better. It's draft week, so we are talking about the Colts and the NFL draft. Uh, it starts Thursday night, uh, so we'll start with the, the biggest question of the week, I think, for us, Zach, is this. What are we doing Thursday night? <laughs> Yeah, are man. You, a little bit like last year. Are you year, drinking? Right? Not drinking? Like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> at least last year, they had a pick at the uh, late in the first round, and we thought they'd make one, and they traded out. And right. we were at the facility this year. We're just going to be sitting at home. Yeah, Colts, without a first-round pick this year, I assume you know by now, they traded that pick to the 49ers, number 13 overall for DeForest Buckner, uh, the Pro Bowl defensive tackle. So they don't pick until 34th. And that's going to be in the second round on th- on Friday night. There is always the chance they could trade up, but I don't particularly see that as as likely. But you know, but what do I know? So um, let me throw this out there, and okay. maybe I'm just reaching here. But last year we talked to Chris Ballard before the draft, and and he said, you know, we always say, well, we'll see you Thursday night after you make a pick, and he said, eh, maybe you won't. Then they they <laughs> traded out. We didn't talk to him Thursday night. And this year, at the end of the conference call on Friday, we said, well, we're not going to talk to you Thursday night because you don't have a pick. And he said, well, you never know. Maybe you will. Maybe I'm reaching here. You think they're trying <laughs> to move totally up? He's totally screwing with us. He's is totally he totally screwing, screwing with us? Which he probably is. He's probably getting a kick out of that right now. I think he is. Now, that being said, uh, he does drop hints. But I don't think intentionally. I, let me rephrase it. I don't think he's dropping hints when he does these things. I think he's just he's just talking. Is he, I don't think he can help himself sometimes. Right, you know? and sometimes you look back and you're like, "Why didn't I? Why didn't I see that?" Right. Uh, right. I didn't think there was much of that this time. We talked to Chris on Friday no. for about a half an hour. He was in his basement in Westfield, where he's got backup generator, a backup internet. That's where he's really running the Colts draft show. Um, I didn't really get any hints from him on Thursday in our conversation. He wouldn't really go anywhere when it came to quarterback. Yeah, I, I would say. That uh, my takeaway, it's not really a clue necessarily, but I think this is just a theme with Chris Ballard. He did say, he did have this line where he said, you know, to be honest, I'd like more picks. And that actually did strike a chord with me because we know Chris Ballard and I know he loves picks because he said that and he has displayed that. And I actually think that is certainly on the table. I have a theory. I said this on the radio, so it's out there now, but we'll see what happens. I have a theory that they'll stick they'll stick with number 34, but I think 44 is – there are no bets on 44. Like, they could trade down a few spots, pick up an extra later pick. Who knows? You know, I, I wonder – that's a, an area of the first – or excuse me, an area of the second round where maybe a player or two or three start to slide and a team has their eye on a guy who maybe yeah. has a potential late first-round pick and didn't get there. So that's an interesting spot. It's not a, you know, it all has to play out. But it, but forty four is interesting because I think it's, having four, having thirty four, it kind of satiates you and you get something on the board. But forty four, I don't know. I, I think anything could happen. It's going to be fun to watch this play out. Another element that's interesting, I, I was talking about with JMV yesterday, is so you go thirty four, which is basically the second pick Friday night. So you have all Thursday night. You see what happens. You see who falls. You see who's available. Cincinnati goes first on Friday night, assuming they're not going to pick another quarterback, right? They're going to go Burrow one. They're not going to pick a quarterback with their first pick in the second round. You would have to think if Jordan Love doesn't go in the first round, he's right there staring the Colts in the face. Now, I don't know if he goes. He probably does go in the first round. We'll see. 
he's kind of all over the map right now. Um, Anything's possible with that. That's going to be a long day for for the Colts on Friday because you're going to have just about every player available um, that's on the board. It's like having a first round pick. Just um, we'll see who's available and who's out there. We'll see if the Saints pass on a quarterback. We'll see if the Patriots pass on a quarterback. Who knows with those late round first round picks, but. Uh, it's going to be fun to see what they do with 34 because as I put out in my mock draft this week, like I'm not completely sold. It's going to be a quarterback or receiver. I think that's all the talk is right now, especially mm-hmm. with wide receiver. We've talked about that a lot on here. It would not surprise me if this guy went O-line or D-line. It just wouldn't. That's just who he is. And if they got a guy ranked higher than those positions of need, he's going to go with the more talented player. He said that and his moves in the last couple of years on draft night have backed that up. Yeah, we're going to get to that mock draft here in a little bit. Uh, I do want to break out a few highlights there. Uh, let's talk about what, you know, because we're stubborn, let's c- keep talking about quarterback. Um, <laughs> I actually did have one takeaway from the conversation with Chris Ballard the other day, and it's it's probably not the one that people want. But, uh, you know, he was asked multiple times, right, about quarterbacks and, and how to handle yeah. it. And, and there was one particular question where I thought he bent over backwards to offer a forceful answer. And I think it was intentional. And it, I don't remember if it was you that asked this. It might've been. And was it what he was, co- he, he no was basically under the rock on the roster for next year. Right. Where he, basically he, would he, not he, budge he, on that. he made it clear that they don't feel any pressure to take a quarterback. I got the impression that, well, Basically, he said what he's always said, which is that we're not going to force it. But then he went a step further. He's like, look, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. And I don't know if it's going to happen next year. But he's like, look, we're not going to be pressured into picking a quarterback that basically we don't like. <laughs> and yeah. he was adamant about it. And he yeah. said, and he's, he basically said, he called out the fans. He said, look, and people can flip out about it if they want to. It was yep. basically his way of saying, I don't care. And you know what? He's got to take that approach. But I, I'm just telling you, I honestly think that was the real Chris Ballard talking there. I don't think that was that was a smokescreen. I don't think that was gamesmanship. I think he's really looking at this like, you know what? If I don't get a quarterback, so damn what? I, I don't think he likes these guys that much. Honestly. That's a really good point you make because he said that a couple times and – this one was probably a little off the cuff in terms of this is what he really thinks. Right. Now, he's not going to talk about individual guys. Right. But in general, and this is interesting because not a lot of GMs can do this. Not a lot of GMs can not draft a quarterback when you need a young quarterback, right? You've, you've heard it across the league for years. Owners basically step in and say, go get me a quarterback. And it goes badly. And Chris is basically saying, like Jim Irsay has given me free reign to not to do, to do this quarterback search how I want to do it. And he doesn't sound like he's going to be pressured into a drafting a guy that he doesn't want to, which is fascinating because they don't have anybody on the roster at that position for 2021. As everybody knows, a lot of guys would probably stress about that. It doesn't seem like Chris Ballard is stressed about that. But I will add this. Inside the building, they know absolutely there is nothing more important than finding the next quarterback on this team. Let's not get things too twisted. But I thought that's a really interesting then you pointed out how he responded to that question. It was almost like, what's the big deal? <laughs> right. And and I and as you said, it is a big deal and they know it's a big deal. So that wasn't that wasn't necessarily what he was trying to communicate. But I but I also think it's very important to note that 
look, just because it's important and they know it's important and and they're looking doesn't mean it's going to happen. So I, I am curious to see how it plays out. All I'm saying is I, I guess I'm just preparing people for the possibility, not the likelihood. I don't think it's likely necessarily, but but definitely a possibility that they don't pick a quarterback. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see which quarterback, if they do take one. I, I will say this, a little plug here. I, I've worked on, I've been working on a story about drafting a quarterback outside of the first round. So I did a little a, a little project here, a little research. And I went back 20 years. The story's going to post, uh, we're recording this, uh, what, Wednesday morning? I don't even know what date it is. I know. Recording. It's like, is it Wednesday? <laughs> is it, it's, the draft's tomorrow, so that helps. Right. So it's Wednesday morning. We're, the story, I think, is going to post this afternoon. So anyhow, here's, I'll give you a little preview. So here's the deal. So I went back 20 years, and I excluded all the first-round picks because those are the guys who make it for the most part, right? The question is, from the second through the seventh round, the non-first-round picks, those quarterbacks, how many guys make it? I found 191 quarterbacks drafted, okay, about, uh, you know, 10 or so per year. And what was very interesting, or just under 10 per year, what was very interesting is that, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I didn't walk away from this exercise feeling very good about their odds. Not I'm many just make telling it. you now. You're talking make it as in start, become a legitimate so, starter, right? I So I, I, I had a couple different metrics. I, I broke it out in different ways, but... At first, I looked for who were the franchise quarterbacks, and I had to use an extremely generous definition for franchise quarterback, okay? And I still only came up with, I believe, 14 out of 191. So wow. I'm just telling you, it ain't great. And and I'll tell you, and, and some of those, I'm really telling you, I I didn't sleep well defining them as franchise quarterbacks and, and I, I put the metrics in there in terms of how I determined it and all that we can call them whatever we want to call them but like successful quarterbacks if you want right yeah uh, guys who were a, a starter for their team for you know a, a set period of years and I outlined it in the story you'll see my point is it was breathtaking man it was not good and I, I mean just to find just to find guys who were you know just serviceable in some cases was tough and I also did another look at the late rounds in particular, because there are some late round guys, I think, in this draft that they may take a flyer on. So I said, all right, let's go rounds five, six, and seven and take a look at that. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was basically Tom Brady and, like, nobody else. I mean, yeah, just to I find mean, guys who had 20 starts or more out of the fifth, sixth, and seventh round, 20 career starts, that was a Tough, tough thing to do. And so you better believe they've got that info too. They've got all that. That's info exactly where I'm going with this. You know they've got, and they got more. They got more than you did because they got, got absolutely to do that forty hours a week or whatever. Exactly. That's fascinating. Yeah. So it, I didn't know what I was going to find. I knew it wouldn't be like amazing. It was so much worse than I thought. So much worse. Like I can't even tell you. You have to read it. It's unbelievable. So anyway, I, I say all that to say. Uh, <laughs> Those of you who are thinking they're going to strike gold with the quarterback, hmm. eh, just have reasonable expectations. It, it's tough, and I think the Colts know that. So, I, I don't know. I, I still think you have to try, but I still think it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how that plays out. So, let me ask you this. Let's say they don't go quarterback at all. They got seven picks. Right. They don't use them on a quarterback. They don't like any of them. They don't force it. How does the fan base react? Badly. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, just yeah. because I think we Chris know. knows that's coming, too. If, <laughs> if this indeed happens, we'll see. I also think he doesn't care, but but uh, look, I mean. Secret. He actually kind of enjoys at, it. Yeah, he's kind of twisted that way. He, he, he likes it when the fans are involved. We'll put it that way. Yeah. He likes passion, good or bad. Yeah. So I, I do think that they are. I don't want to say leaning heavily on Philip Rivers, but but I do think they feel like we've said this before. I think they feel like this is not a one year deal for the most part. I mean, yeah. in, in the back of their heads, they know that they have the potential to stretch this out with Philip Rivers, unless he gets hurt or he just plays that badly, and that's possible. But I mean, you remember how many goes really bad. Cliff is last year in Denver. Just his arm yeah. was just gone and. He was probably he was thirty nine. I want to say so. Right. I mean, look that that could happen, and I and then you have to you have to prepare for the worst. Yeah. It didn't sound like he ruled out Jacoby Brissett returning in the future as the franchise quarterback. Am I misreading this? I mean, it sounded no. like it was like yeah, he's on the he's on the, he's on the he's on the team. He's going to be the backup for Philip, and we haven't you know we really like him which I've heard a million times the last couple of months, but it sounds like that's still on the table. And if he improves, I'm just telling you what the Colts think. I, I think it's something they haven't ruled out, which I don't know how the fan base so, would feel about that. So it is it is something we haven't talked about. And I think I'm glad you brought that up because I think the one thing the Colts have maintained throughout this offseason for the past month, right, since they have signed Phillip Rivers, the one thing we have heard – from Frank Reich and Chris Ballard on multiple occasions now is this. We feel the same way about Jacoby Brissett, but the Phillip Rivers uh, opportunity was just a very unique opportunity, almost as if if yeah. it wasn't Phillip Rivers, we wouldn't have signed anybody else. It's like the you company. I, mean? I don't know if that's true, but that's unique what you're saying. opportunity. It's what Frank said. It's what Chris said. I think, yeah, it, it sounds like that though, but they also looked into other guys too. They did. And, and that's fine. I mean, I think, that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, you should consider all your options, but I, I don't know. I wonder, like, if Philip Rivers wasn't available, you know, what would the course of action have been? We'll never know. It's a, a, an impossible hypothetical to answer, but it is interesting. I, and I think that's kind of the suggestion from what they're saying. I don't know that I buy that, and I'm not suggesting that it. You know that why that I don't buy case. that? Because twenty five million dollars. That speaks loudly. Like. It's, it doesn't sound like they were yeah. willing to go to X dollar amount with Phillip Rivers. And if he was willing to play, they were willing to take him. If not, then we'll just roll with Jacoby. It sounded like they were like, all right, we'll give you a, a ton of money to come in here and play better quarterback right. than we had last year. That's fair. Yeah. So anyway, it is interesting. Obviously, the, the Rivers and Frank Reck connection you know, is a huge factor here. It sounded like a really easy discussion, to be honest, with them. Frank watched the tape. He saw no arm drop off in terms of arm strength and all the intangibles, all the attitude stuff was just like, oh, he's the best. So it sounded like a really easy call for them in that regard. Well, we'll see. I, I happen to disagree with him on the the idea that that arm, the uh, Philip Rivers arm has not dropped off, but, <laughs> but I'll, let, I'll let Frank have the last word on that. He knows better than Yeah, I mean. I, the so, season we'll will see. reveal who's right. <laughs> exactly. We'll let it just play out. Uh, so, so Zach, I want to take a moment to uh, touch on your mock draft. Uh, I did one earlier um, because, you know, I like getting made fun of. And, you know, what better opportunity to put yourself out there than to right. attach names or 
draft picks to your name. Uh, so I thought this was interesting. Uh, you mentioned earlier no quarterback with that number 34 pick, no wide receiver. Those are like the reflexive ones that everyone does, and I did it right. too. Um, so tell us what you go with with that number 34 pick and why. Yeah, and, and if they go receiver or quarterback at 34 or 44, I'll look like an idiot, and that's fine. And, and you know, maybe I'm overthinking it because we've been doing this for three months. Um, but no, I we're back all to overthinking a, it. Trust me. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> and if I tried to get away from the picks you made just to vary it up. But, sure, um, sure. But, look, I mean, I try to go back to a couple things I've heard and just that stood out to me. And we've had these little tidbits before in years past where Ballard's hinted at what he's thinking, and we didn't put it together. And this year, you remember – after we had him at the combine and we were kind of in this little group off to the side and he's like, you know what? You guys are going to keep asking me about wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers. I'm going to keep talking D-line, O-line, D-line, O-line. That was a couple of weeks before he went out that and was, traded his that first was overall. to you. His, yeah, <laughs> he was so his, annoyed with you. <laughs> his first pick with, um, you know, he, he traded his first pick to, to, to San Francisco for a, D, for a defensive tackle. So right. um, he wasn't That's kidding true. around. That was the first, you know, that was the first quote that popped in my head when he made that and then mm-hmm. um you know everyone's talking receiver everyone's talking quarterback dude this guy loves defensive line like he lives for it um and i don't think buckner's i don't think it ends with buckner i think they need more and i looked at the position group and it's not in great standing it's just not uh we're talking defensive ends only you've got justin houston who's 31 he's coming off a great year but this is his last year probably with the colts i would i would imagine um you've got Toure who you know, has flashed and certainly has a lot of upside, but hasn't put it together for a whole season. You've got Banigou, who hasn't done much. And you don't have a lot after that. And you need these spots in this defense. Colts fans know this. I don't need to tell you the two guys that anchored that defensive line for a decade. They don't have anything close to that right now. And they need guys who can go get the quarterback. They need them in this defense. I think Buckner helps everybody, including a guy like Malik Hooker, who can maybe we can touch on in a minute. But so with the first pick, I went with A.J. Ipanesa. He's a defensive end from Iowa. He was a stud coming out of high school. He's got a ton of power. He's got a ton of move. He's got bend. You know, I did a lot of research on this, and he seems like a great character guy as well. Efforts there. Uh, it just wouldn't surprise me if we're there Friday and the Colts put up the card and it says defensive end. It would just be like, oh, this is the most Chris Ballard move of all time. Everyone thinks receiver. Everyone thinks quarterback. He's going, he's, he's, he's following his heart, right? He's going defensive end. Um, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. I could be totally wrong on this. It wouldn't surprise me if they took an offensive tackle in the first couple picks they have because we know Costanzo is not going to play forever. But, um, you know, and, and then I address, I really like the Michael Pittman fit. We'll see if he lands in Indy. Um, Dane Brugler basically called him a, a power forward type receiver. I think we've talked about that. That yeah. fits. I think you got to hit receiver. Like, in, in, you know, you got to hit him in some way. I don't know if Cole Komet, the tight end from Notre Dame, falls. Right. I will tell you this, though, about uh, the Iowa program, first of all. I think those guys come out ready for the NFL, generally. Yeah, and, and there's a lot is, of examples That of is that. something that, that history has has proven, yes. The, those guys, you know, more so offensive linemen than defensive linemen. But I think you have so many examples of Iowa players coming out of that program. Solid, solid program. Gets guys ready for the NFL. And that's why the NFL loves, loves that. That loves Coach Ferentz because he he gets guys ready to go uh, when they come to the league. They're ready to roll. Um, and, and you know what though, I I actually think just generally speaking, at that at that uh, defensive line position, you're not wrong, man. I will say this: I've thought a lot about 
Justin Houston being such a big part of their success last year on defense, and, and they didn't have enough success, but but he was pretty good. And, you know, he had 11 sacks. But, yes, the, the guy's not under contract next year, okay? Uh, he didn't come here to play for five more years, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, you know, now, if that happens, great. But, but certainly no one was banking on that. So, look, I mean, I think this is that would be a very forward-looking move, even though – Maybe he doesn't play a ton right now. If Ture can get it rolling, then they don't necessarily need a lot of snaps out of a defensive end as a rookie right now. But I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I think their defense, I, I think Chris Ballard's intent really is to build a hell of a defense that beats the hell out of people. I think that's what he wants more than and anything. And they don't have, they don't, they don't have, it. Like they don't have the pass rush right now. You got to right. have an elite pass rush if you're going to play this cover too. And let me ask you this, like when you look at the defense, and this is probably a discussion they've had, you know, rank the importance of the of the positions, right? Um, they've, they're pretty set at linebacker for the future. I like that. Group. I like their linebackers. And they don't need that many either. They don't need to have 10 linebackers on the roster, and they won't. There's always going to be need in the secondary. You know, that's that's a position group that needs to be better. I think everyone can agree. But I think far and away, the most important piece to this defense is the defensive line. That's why you go get Buckner and you pay him all the money you did. But you need to address the pass rush situation. I think they know that. I don't think enough people are talking about that. And and when you look at how you want to build a defense, if you can get a defensive end who's going to be maybe a Pro Bowl player down the line that can be here for five, six, seven, eight years, that's a piece you want and you, and you run to the podium and you turn it in. Because this team doesn't have... They don't have that right now. I mean, you hope Toureg climbs into that, but if you can get two, um, then you're going to really like your defense for the next couple of years because you got Buckner, he's not going anywhere. You got Leonard, you got Okariki, and you got some young corners like Rocky Sin who are going to get better and better. But I think, you know, the biggest glaring hole on this defense right now is a young pass rusher at the defensive end spot that can really anchor that line. I'll, I'll go even further. We talked about receiver all the time and, and things like that. And I think for this team, edge rush is just as important as wide receiver, if not more. So, you know, we talk yeah. about what's fun and what's flashy, and that's the football fan in all of us. But listen, all right, you want to win, get the quarterback, right? Go get the quarterback. Yeah. So uh, I don't disagree at all. Um, one thing, you mentioned something earlier that, yeah, we probably should hit on real quick. Uh, there was a lot of conversation yesterday about, about Malik Hooker. And I'll tell you what happened if you weren't on social media, because this is more of a Twitter thing. Uh, so Mike Lombardi, who uh, is a former league executive now, you know, sort of in the media, uh, was sort of parsing out some names of, of players who are kind of on the trade block, or at least could be available, in other words. And among those players he mentioned was Malik Hooker. So that got my attention, and I was like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I buy that because I, – so I actually responded by saying, well, here are the here are the reasons you don't trade Malik Hooker. Number one, uh, he's cheap this year. He, he's going to make like two, just over $2 million in base salary. The bonus is already paid, so it doesn't matter. So, so basically you're paying him $2 million this year for a starting safety who's at least average starting safety, right? That's number one. Number two, did you know that Malik Hooker turned 24 years old like two weeks ago? Which is amazing. Yeah, remember how young no he was when he was drafted? That's right. He was a junior, a true junior coming out of Ohio State, right? So he literally just turned 24 years old. And 
you know, let's be honest. Look, he has he has a lot to prove, and he's got to stay healthy. And I don't know what I don't know what he is ultimately. We don't know, but that's just the point. I still think you have a player who has incredible athleticism. Yeah. Who I don't think has nearly reached his ceiling. He may never, but at least give it another year. We've so seen size. I don't understand. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, if, you know, it's there. Can he display it a, on a regular basis? I don't know. But uh, anyhow, the long and short of it was that it turns out that teams are calling more so calling the Colts than the Colts calling anybody else. I still don't think it's going to happen. The, the feedback I got was that it was a long, long, long shot. And that was literally the text message. It was like three longs. So, so I don't think it's here's the other thing. What I mentioned to JMV yesterday is like, um, First of all, your defense is not great right now. Why go create a huge problem that you have right. to solve? Like you're not going to, I mean, if you, if you were, if you trade Malik Hooker, sure, you're going to get a draft pick, maybe a third rounder at best. I don't know. Um, you yes, don't have a starting man. safety and don't tell me that George Odom is going to step in there and do what Malik Hooker can do. Now, Hooker needs to be better, needs to be more disciplined, needs to tackle better, but he's got the range that you cannot teach. I sound like a scout right now, right? <laughs> um, but he he has those big plays in him. We've seen him. We saw it against Philip. Ask Philip Rivers about Malik Hooker's big playability. He sure. didn't see him on that interception in LA. That was one of the that was one of the prettiest plays I saw all year. And then the big play in Tampa Bay as well. Um, yeah, I'm I'm more so leaning with you. You don't have you know you don't have Clayton Gathers on the other side anymore. I think that's Kari Willis's spot. He'll step into that. But Kari Willis is still a second year guy, and that's a young that's a young duo. And they do different things, and I think they could work well together. You want to see more from Lee Cooker, but I don't think now. I don't think now is the time to move him. I just don't think you create a problem that you don't need to have. You've got enough problems on this roster, starting with quarterback and receiver. You don't need to add free safety in there as well. Now, if someone wants to make them a Minka Fitzpatrick type deal, then go for it, right? Uh, yeah. The Steelers gave up a number one pick for him, but I can't imagine that happening, especially around draft time. Uh, that was an in-season trade. is a little different. So, yeah. I can't I, see I just first don't round see. pick. That would be. No. Wow. That'd no. Be like it would be stunning. Yeah. Stunning. So, anyhow, I don't think Malik Hooker's going anywhere. But, listen, they'll pick up the phone. So, if you're interested in calling, give them a call. Chris Ballard <laughs> will listen. Anyhow, that's it. We don't have uh, – we can't, we can't go much further because, at this point, we got to let it all play out. So, we will do that and we will get out of here. Uh, but we'll be back, what, I think this weekend, Zach? We'll, uh... Yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend. We're going to learn a lot about this team. And one of my favorite press conferences of the year is is, is Ballard after the draft because he tells you what he was thinking and he tells you what he liked in all these guys and he'll tell you what he didn't like in some others. So we're going to learn a lot about this team um, come Saturday at the end of this draft. Right, so the next time you hear from us, we'll have uh, a ton more information to share, uh, both the picks and the context behind those picks, which I think is fascinating. So. So stay tuned for that. We'll we'll have, I think we'll record a podcast in the days after the draft. We won't wait another week. So stick around and uh, stay tuned. Yeah, I would think Monday morning we'll have one up. Yeah, by by the latest. So anyhow, you'll hear from us pretty soon. Uh, In the meantime, please check out The Athletic. Great stuff up there. Uh, Zach's got a couple pieces to check out, including that mock draft. Uh, We've got a story on Chad Henry, a Colt scout who overcame just tremendous circumstances in life. Uh, not someone you know much about, but these are the guys who really keep the wheels turning within an NFL organization, and you, you know it's fun to learn about them. And as I said, check out the quarterback story, which I'll drop this afternoon. So, thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Keeper, and this is One Percent.